Today, we're watching Star Trek The Next Generation. When a Starfleet scientist proposes taking Data apart, offloading his memory files, and trying to duplicate him, Data refuses. But then, in the eyes of Starfleet law, Data is not considered a sentient being with rights. So the greatest legal battle time battle since the time Q judged all of humanity begins. Legal battle time. Um, <laughs> legal battle time. <laughs> Keeping it in. <laughs> From February 11th, 1989, it's season two, episode nine, The Measure of a Man, or Law and Order, TNG. <laughs> dun dun. Dun dun. <laughs> I'm Cam. That's Dan. And we're talking about some serious shit today. <laughs> think in the 24th century things like this would be resolved but no nope. <laughs> i'm just surprised it took this long to get to sentient machines yeah i mean i sure hope it feels like we're, we're going that i way. pray every day that the sims are not actually sentient beings oh god can you imagine <laughs> that's a great black mirror episode <laughs> i just so many were drowned pointlessly in pools. Anyway, um, this is one of my all-time favorite episodes of Star Trek. Uh, so far, it is my favorite episode of The Next Generation. Yeah! So. <laughs> Woo! I'm it, so glad. It was very good. I am going to save my, my big comment. Okay, great. Why do you love this episode, Cameron? I love this episode because I'm going to tell you why in the thing. Oh, yeah, you should do that part first. <laughs> Whatever, you don't know your own show. Get out of here. I think it's one of those roles that we switch, like the other roles mm -hmm. that we switch. What? Cameron, <laughs> maybe on your birthday. <laughs> There's a good question for the fan. <laughs> Please cut all of this out. Never. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. On Stardate 42523.7, while the Enterprise is visiting Starbase 173 for routine maintenance and apparently offloading experiment modules... <laughs> I want to know what those are. Um, cyberneticist Commander Bruce Maddox, played by Brian Brophy. <laughs> what a surname. Comes aboard to pay a visit to Lieutenant Commander Data. Uh, he apparently interviewed Data in his entrance to Starfleet exam and was against it because he's a fucking asshole. Anyway, he wishes to better understand Data's positronic brain, and it quickly becomes clear that he has ulterior motives of trans of transferring the contents of Data's memories to the Starbase mainframe, shutting him down, disassembling him, and learning how to recreate him. 
though Maddox promises to restore, to data, restore data following his analysis and assures him his memories will be intact. Data is concerned that the procedure is riskier than Maddox is letting on, and argues that while factual details of his memories will be preserved, the nuances of his experience may not be which is so lovely. Data refuses, causing Maddox to turn to Starfleet and order him to comply. Captain Picard supports Data's position and is advised that the only way for Data to evade the order is to resign from Starfleet, which Data does. Maddox, however, argues that Data is Starfleet property, not a sentient being, and such does not have the right to choose to resign. The presiding judge advocate general of the sector, Captain Philippa Louvois, Louvois, there we go. Captain Philippa Louvois, played by Amanda McBroom, is an old fling of Picard's. Is an old fling. And Picard's prosecutor during the Stargazer trial. Uh, she rules for Maddox, because she also a dick. Uh, Picard requests a formal hearing to challenge the ruling. <laughs> Louvois agrees and allows Picard to represent Data during the proceedings. However, due to a shortage of qualified legal staff, Louvois compels Commander Riker to represent Maddox. Riker argues um, Riker argues that he cannot as he is Data's friend, and she says if you don't, my ruling will stand. So he's forced to. He portrays Data as merely a machine constructed by man and is no more than a sum of his sparts. His sparts. His parts. You're the sum of your sparts. <laughs> And in a striking final demonstration, Riker activates Data's off switch, which apparently is just in the computer. That's horrifying. Anyway. Right? Uh, Picard calls for a recess, during which he goes to 10 forward and talks with Guinan, who suggests that... Reg Yay! Yay! <laughs> or should I say, whoopee! <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> who says who suggests that regardless of whether Data is a machine or not, Maddox's plans for reproducing him would lead to a situation tantamount to slavery. Picard uses this to diffuse Riker's arguments, then turns the discussion to metaphysical manners of Data's sentience. Picard points out that Data meets two of the three criteria that Maddox used to define sentient life. Data is intelligent and self-aware, and Picard asks if anyone in the court can show a means of measuring consciousness. With no one able to answer this, Louvois acknowledges that neither she nor anyone else can measure this in data and rules that, she has, that he has the right to choose. Yay! Upon the court's ruling, Data formally refuses to undergo the procedure. After the hearing, Data clearly holds no will against Maddox. Data reminds the scientist that his work remains intriguing and offers to, exist, to assist in further research after Maddox has had more time to study and perfect his techniques. Maddox, for his part, refers to Data for the first time as he rather than it, which made me tear up a little bit, honestly. Um, later, during a party celebrating Data's victory, Data finds Riker alone in a conference room, ashamed of having to argue against his friend in the hearing. Data cheers him up by telling him that his action was an act of self-sacrifice that gave Data the chance to win his freedom. And, had Riker refused to participate, Louvois' original judgment in the favor of Maddox would have been final. Then the two happily return to the celebration together, and so ends the measure of a man oh, so good for a while I've been worried Cameron I've been worried that the next generation magic that everyone talks about and everyone loves maybe it's just not there for me maybe I just can't see it maybe I'm just you know holding television to too high a standard because of the age in which I live but <laughs> 
I really think I saw something special in this episode. Like I'm, I'm beginning to see that chemistry. Like they came so far in one episode that I went from being like ambivalent towards data to loving data in one episode. Yep. Like this pushed him over the edge of like, I get it. Pinocchio. It's boring. Um, it did so much for his character. I got Guinan and I got some top fucking notch Picard and Riker. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm starting to really see the magic starting to happen. I'm and so I'm, glad. <laughs> and I'm sure there'll never be a bad episode again. <laughs> oh, Dan, you know better than I that that never happens, I, but. Yeah, it's just, this one always gets me right in the feels. It just, I mean, I hate that it's a conversation that we have to keep having. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's so beautifully written and so beautifully acted. And it's just, I mean, there's something for everyone in here. There's a little bit of Picard sass with his former fling. And apparently shit got Mm -hmm, real. mm -hmm. And... (laughs) It, you know, it's just, it gives him a little bit of history and that not all of his love affairs went well, which, you know, kind of gives him that Kirky flavor that we've been wanting. <laughs> Kirky. Mm, just a, just a little, little dip of the Kirk. <laughs> and we get to see Riker truly hating himself. I mean, his, the moment he finds Data's off switch and it's like, oh my God, I'm going to win. And then he's like, oh fuck, I'm going to win. You know, yeah. that moment of revelation revelation i'm keeping that word forever revelation revelation get it Um, the name of your next musical (laughs) revelation is here i'm uh that moment of revelation has just it's so good and it's just ugh. and then gynan saying just subtly that this is not going to end well no matter what this is not going to end well yeah, Just, no, Guinan for the win. Mm-hmm. They used her very, very well. They did. Um, you know, it started off super light with the poker scene. Um, Which was so much fun. <laughs> it was fun. And it did, It was less annoying than like previous holodeck shtick. Where I was like, oh, okay, we're, we're having a good time. I'm like, I don't know anyone who wants to play seven card stud, but all right. <laughs> um, sure. It was it was a good setup that they later used um in the in the courtroom scene. Additionally, I loved getting to see Jordy and Data's friendship kind of on display. I know. Even though they didn't interact a whole lot, like seeing the pain of him leaving and watching Data pack up his belongings. I know. Now granted, that shot that that scene is also in my didn't like it, hated it segment because of other reasons but um i'm sure watching him look at the yar hologram was just great i know and seeing this guy stubborn i wish that well i'll I'll save that for my for my hated it too um There was a lot going on in this episode, but they managed to juggle the A story and the B story and then marry them together into an, um, 
What do you call it? Like that when an A and an E are together, it's like an ether or something. Oh, you know? yeah. It's like a, one of those weird symbols. Um, yeah, something like that. Or they made a new letter out of them. I think Picard as a lawyer is always great, but unlike with Q, where he was fueled by righteous indignation the whole time, here he had doubt, here he had fear, here he had pain. He was so invested and scared and the scene when he gets up to when he's when he's about to begin his defense and he's just kind of holding his head in his hands a little bit or just his hands are just kind of in front of him it was such a different posture than we've seen with him and you could tell he was like trying to hit his points but also psyching himself up and and earnestly like having a a, fi- a philosophical conversation with himself. Mm-hmm. Like that's what we were watching. Absolutely, we were watching. We were watching one of Plato's dialogues in the 24th century. That's what we were watching. We were watching Shakespeare. We were that scene. Like the last 15 minutes of this episode is amazing. The first 30 have one or two little issues, but are are good. Then they they have a lot of of good stuff. But as soon as they get to the courtroom, it is some of the best scenes in Star Trek thus far. I agree. Really, really good. And I mean, this was... This was the writer's first episode. Melinda M. Snodgrass. Well, Miss Snodgrass... Well fucking done. Right. She's, yeah, she's actually had a pretty amazing career. And has written so many Star Trek novels. Uh, amazing. And apparently one of her normal editors for her short stories is the one and only George R.R. R. Martin. So... Wow. You know, she's got some she's got some stuff. She's got chops. She's still alive? Yes. Hell yeah. Let's find her. She was actually just at the uh Phoenix Comic Con in 20, 2018. So, apparently she makes the makes the rounds. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, I bet she lives in, I bet she lives in Arizona then. Probably. That would make sense. Good place to retire. Low cost of living, good weather year-round, and the taxes aren't too crazy. As long as you're fine with gun-toting lunatics, it's great. <laughs> and 120 fucking degree weather, Dan. Yeah, you can say it's a dry heat. It's still 120 fucking degrees. I would die. Yeah, me too. I would die. I It would be the worst. But yeah, thank you, Melinda. We, it's It's amazing, the work that you did here, and... Thank you. And also, I mean, like, the guest cast, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, Philippa was excellent. Also, I don't know if you know her, but she is um, a singer as well as a songwriter and a cabaret performer. And she actually wrote the song The Rose, which, you know, the Bette Midler standard from the movie The Rose. Oh, no shit. Yeah. 
Wow. I know. <laughs> Good for her. She's fantastic. She's got an amazing voice and obviously is a pretty dang good songwriter. So, uh, yeah, she's great. Uh, Brian Brophy made me want to punch myself, and that was awesome. Apparently, he hasn't done much, though. I still, um, I like the, I, I, I like how shitty he was, though. Yeah. I needed someone to be that shitty. Oh, absolutely. He was, he was the perfect foil for this episode. Yeah. I was like, damn, this, this psycho wants to take data apart no matter what. He does. He's going to pay, mm-hmm. pay special attention to his Can downstairs say, and turn him into a lampshade. Ugh. Sorry. Can I just say, I also loved data's little poker visor i know (laughs) i just love and i i mean i shouldn't say this because it's kind of spoilers but the poker comes back and it gets better every single time nice i'm excited it's a good it's a good bit Um, (laughs) and i love that pulaski is the heart the most hardcore of all of them (laughs) oh yeah i love that pulaski's like here's the game Man with the axe is wild. And they just look at each other like, oh, fuck, we're about to get played by the doctor. <laughs> uh, I um, I found this episode to be genuinely moving. Me too. And as I watched the end, I, I choked up slightly. I did too. It's it's beautiful. Um, my other favorite thing, and it's very subtle, but when Riker removes Data's hand, it flips him off for just a second. <laughs> Ever so slight. It's a very it's a very loose bird. <laughs> but it still flips him off. Oh, I just I had such a good time. I watched it yeah. three times. I normally watch it twice, but I watched this one three times because I just, I love it so much. I might much. actually watch this one again. It's like right away. I usually wait. <laughs> like I've only gone back and watched a handful of episodes of the original series. But you have. But I have. Some of them are fun. I know. Some of them are terrible. Yes, they are. They're so bad. <laughs> the worst, actually. <laughs> Let's put a cat in a dollhouse. That'll be scary. <laughs> Why did you watch here, that one? <laughs> no, I, I didn't watch that one. It just popped into my head because it's spooky it time. It is spooky Cameron. Halloween. Uh, of course, the <laughs> Star Trek Halloween special. God. <laughs> Speaking of things that are terrible, what didn't you like about this episode? I mean, there isn't much that I don't like about this episode. I, uh, I think it was incredibly well constructed. I, um, I actually wish there would have been more Picard and Philippa. I mean, it was, it was a near perfect amount, but I could have just gone for like one more snarky exchange. Little uh, Beatrix and Bene- uh, Benedict and Beatrix. Yes. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't. There's nothing that really that I really hated. There's nothing that jumped out at me, and I'm sure it's just my bias for Star Trek. But I'm really curious to hear what you hated, Dan. Um. Well, I'll put on a little more 
praise really quick. Like, I don't think I adequately praised Whoopi because she's amazing. She, she is and amazing. And that scene was fucking spectacular. And I can't wait to quote it with you. I know. <laughs> but that's where this episode lives. Um, I was really into uh, Data packing up his stuff. But the whole scene is way overexposed. So he goes from being like kind of pale to like, holy fucking shit, boy is translucent. The entire scene is overlit and slightly overexposed. So he is like terrifyingly white where I thought, oh, God, did Data die? Is he a ghost now? Um, Well, he's definitely sentient then, you fuckers. I guess. I turns out I had a soul. So fuck you, douche canoe. Um Yeah, I I also found the notion of the understaffed bit. Like I like the twist of having Riker have to do that, but justify it else like another way. Make it something that's happening on the ship. Like you're on a starbase full of people. Yes, it's just starting up. You don't have... Here's her justification. Here's her fucking justification. I don't have enough qualified staff. So you're telling me, just by achieving a certain rank, you're a lawyer now? Yeah, that's how they get rid of it. If I become a commander, I'm a lawyer? Fuck you. <laughs> that was the stupidest shit I've ever heard. I was like, really? You're that slavishly devoted to command and rank? Come on. <laughs> There's nobody else... And furthermore, it was a conflict of interest. You can't get a lawyer in a legal proceeding to just promise they'll go extra hard on their friend or you'll disbar them. It's a conflict of interest and a lawyer would excuse themselves. It's true. Because it's, it's, it's nuts. I was like, this is, this is a kangaroo court. This is crazy. <laughs> That is fair. I mean, I would have liked to hear her say, ugh, I had to send all of my ensign lawyers over to the orgy planet. <laughs> so much case laws being decided. But so they're much. not very focused. No. <laughs> they're a little busy. <laughs> Maybe that's the lieutenant lawyers and the ensign lawyers just grab coffee. I don't know. I guess. Yeah, they're basically clerks. Um, yeah, that that whole notion was just stupid. I did love seeing how contentious her relationship with Picard was, but still playful and sexy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, the added complication was unnecessary. Like, I get it from a dramatic perspective, but find another way to justify it, because that was just silly. Um, additionally, you're citing case law from... The 21st century. 21st century. You're telling me that there's case law from the 21st century that applies to the 24th century with regards to sentient beings, like with regards to distinction between property machine and like sentient machine. So it was of concern or has been used to justify things in the past, which means this situation has come up before. Like that was, that was baffling. Think about any law from 300 years ago, Cameron, that still impacts law today. They exist, but the list is very short. It's very short. 
And furthermore, I mean, most of the time they're still on the books, but only because people have been too lazy to take them off. And by people, I mean elected officials. Um, But I mean, mean, this seemed like some sort of case law thing where it was like, oh, this was used to justify this. So I'm going to say it applies here, which, again, is lazy, bad law. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But I, I also I've always kind of enjoyed that little statement and. Mostly because in a previous episode, a very recent previous episode, we talk about how, you know, there's an old, there, there are still old regulations that are being obeyed. Like if people lock lasers on you, you have to raise your shields. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, so it's just, I thought, I thought that was a continuation of just an acknowledging that Starfleet isn't a perfect organization and that, you know, they are continually updating their laws. Well, of as course we not. Are. They're benevolent fascists, but yes. <laughs> You're a benevolent fascist. You're goddamn right. <laughs> I'm your benevolent fascist. Not here. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't pass it up. It was so good. Um, I fucking miss you. <laughs> I miss you too, pal. But <laughs> I'll give it all up for a punchline. <laughs> I don't know. That might be offensive to witch doctors. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're always sorry. I am. I'm sorry that I exist. It's because I was raised by Midwestern parents. <laughs> I say yeah, the word op, which is an apology for ever existing. Oh, 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 oh. Sorry. Let me squeeze past oh, you there. Um, oh, <laughs> should, oh, should, should we quote oh. this thing? <laughs> we should quote every fucking line of this. Script. I agree. We should just it's do a masterful. Reading, it's so good. Spectacular. Yeah. All right. Data, I understand your objections, but I have to consider Starfleet's interests. What if Commander Maddox is correct? There is a possibility that many more beings like yourself can be constructed. Sir, Lieutenant LaForge's eyes are far superior to human biological eyes. True. Mm Mm-hmm. Then why are not all human officers required to have their eyes replaced with cybernetic implants? I see. I see. It is precisely because I'm not human. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Let's let's save this one for the end. Perfect. Okay. You have no other portraits of your fellow crew members. Why this person? He's pointing at a hologram of Tasha Yar. He sure is. Yar, queen. I would prefer not to answer that question, sir. I gave my word. Under the circumstances, I don't think Tasha would mind. She was very special to me, sir. We were intimate. And looks are exchanged all around the courtroom. Natasha! (laughs) Natasha! (laughs) i'll do my best philippa impression do it it sits there looking at me and i don't know what it is this case is dealt with metaphysics with questions best left to saints and philosophers i'm neither competent nor qualified to answer those but i've got to make a ruling to try and speak to the future is data a machine yes is he the property of starfleet no we have all been dancing around the basic issue. Does Data have a soul? I don't know that he has. I don't know that I have. 
but I have got to give him the freedom to explore that question himself. It is the ruling of this court that Lieutenant Commander Data has the freedom to choose. Yep. Ugh. This one. There we go. <laughs> Sir, there is a celebration on the holodeck. I have no right to be there. Because you failed in your task? No, God, no. I came that close to winning, Data. Yes, sir. I almost cost you your life. Is it not true that had you refused to prosecute, Captain Louvois would have ruled ruled summarily against me? Yes. That action injured you and saved me. I will not forget it. You're a wise man, my friend. Not yet, sir. But with your help, I am learning. And that part right there is what got me. That part, I, I was like, oh, Dana. <laughs> I've really, that part, like, legit. I'm I welling know. up right now. It's just, ugh, it's so fucking good. Okay, this is my favorite one-liner, by the way. <laughs> well, we have a problem. I find myself in complete agreement with that assessment of a situation, sir. <laughs> I'm going to start saying that all the fucking time. Okay. You're, you're going to have to do this one all, all on your own. <laughs> Consider that in the history of many worlds, there have always been disposable creatures. They do the dirty work. They do the work that no one else wants to do because it's too difficult or too hazardous. And an army of datas, all disposable. You don't have to think about their welfare. You don't have to think about how they feel. Whole generations of disposable people. You're talking about slavery. Oh, I think that's a little harsh. I don't think that's a little harsh. I think that's the truth. That's a truth that we have obscured behind a comfortable, easy euphemism. Property. But that's not the issue at all, is it? Philippa Lebois. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Philippa Lebois. And back in uniform. It's been 10 years, but seeing you again like this makes it seem like 50. If we weren't around all these people, do you know what I'd like to do? Bust a chair across my teeth. After that. <laughs> oh, ain't love wonderful. <laughs> I needed so something. Good. I needed. I needed some of that, that humor in my life. But that guidance scene. Mm. So good. I can't wait to find out all about her. She's the best. I know. Okay. I know. I keep waiting. A single data, and forgive me, Commander, is a curiosity, a wonder even, but thousands of datas. Isn't that becoming a race? And won't we be judged by how we treat that race? Now tell me, Commander, what is data? I don't understand. 
What is he? A machine. Is he? Are you sure? Yes. You see, he's met two of your three criteria for sentience. So what if he meets the third, consciousness, in even the smallest degree? What is he then? I don't know. Do you? Do you? Do you? Well, that's the question you have to answer. Is that what is known as a poker face? You know, I never thought I would say this, but it's good to see you again. It brings a sense of order and stability to my universe to know that you're still a pompous ass. And a damned sexy man. Ooh, Philippa! (laughs) A pompous ass. (laughs) Over-sentimentality is not one of Captain Picard's failings. Trust me, I know. (laughs) Oh, honey, you're going to need a towel for all that tea you just spilled. (laughs) Earl Grey is everywhere. And it is hot. (laughs) So hot. Okay. Starfleet is not an organization that ignores its own regulations when they become inconvenient. Which is nice to know. Except when breaking the prime directive because it's more fun. (laughs) And more interesting television. God damn it. The commander is a physical representation of a dream, an idea conceived of the mind by a man. Its purpose, to serve human needs and interests. It's a collection of neural nets and heuristic algorithms. Its response is dictated by an elaborate software written by a man. Its hardware built by a man. And now, a man will shut it off. Pinocchio is broken. Its strings have been cut. Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> all right the coup de I love, that, I love that even data gets to uh do some pulaski sass as dr pulaski would at this junction no doubt remind us life is rarely fair but the coup de gras now the decision you reach here today will determine how we will regard this creation of our genius It will reveal the kind of people we are, what he is destined to be. It will reach far beyond this courtroom and this one android. It could significantly redefine the boundaries of personal liberty and freedom, expanding them for some, expanding them for some, savagely curtailing them for others are you prepared are you prepared to condemn him and all who come after him to servitude and slavery your honor starfleet was founded to seek out new life well there it sits waiting so proud of you 
It's just... Ugh, god damn. Truly. Truly, truly. Well. I... Ugh, yeah. It just, it gets me in the feels every single time. And it's it's so so unfortunately relevant and pertinent to the life we're living right now. And it's so just... You're right. The chemistry is absolutely there. So what should we rate this puppy, Dan? How many holographic Tasha Yars would you oh. give this? <laughs> oh, Jesus. I am giving this five holographic Tasha Yars. It is one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek of all time. It just... It's everything good about the next generation. And it's the first time we get to see it. I'm going to say a four and a half. Wow. Yeah. Look at you. It, it, got, it elicited a genuine emotional response from me. And I had fun. And I was moved. And I was interested. And it was great. It was really great. It really was. <laughs> and it had Gaiden and being a badass. Yeah. And Picard being flirty. <laughs> I know. And breaking chairs f- over people's teeth. Um, so, <laughs> so we have loved it, hated it, quoted it, and rated it. So that just leaves one last thing for us to do. And that's for me to not... Oh, God. <laughs> it's doing so well. <laughs> Take two. Take two. Well, we have loved it, hated it, quoted it, and rated it. And that just leaves one last thing for us to do. And that's for me to wish you all to not just have a great week, but to sincerely make it so. Keep on trekking. Ugh, just right in the feels. The worst and the best. Ding dong, ding dong, it's Starfleet. I'm going to hug you so hard the next time I see you that I throw your back out. (laughs) Great. Well, it's a good thing I have a uh, fucking thing on a retainer. (laughs) That's that's what my chiropractors now are, are called fucking things. Oh, I thought you were going to call them a witch doctor. (laughs) (laughs) A witch doctor. That'd be fun. I'd love to have a witch doctor on retainer. It's unfounded. A witch doctor on retainer? That'd be great. It would be great. Oh, uh, yeah. Gonna need to curse you all of your witch doctor. <laughs> don't don't make me call. Don't make me fucking call. He's with another client, but when he calls me back, you are fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you like not having a penis. <laughs> A Secret Weapon Production.